Hey, what's going on, Clipper people? It is me, William the Opinion Updike. I'm coming at you solo again. Chuck is gone. It's weekend at dad's house or something like that. Anyways, still got a heck of a show lined up for you today. I'm going to kick things off talking about the Clippers taking on the Raptors. Now, this is the first night of a New Year's back-to-back. -back. That's right, New Year's Eve. They're going to be taking on the Raptors, and then New Year's Day, they take on the Brooklyn Nets, both of those games on the road. Uh, so in segment one, I'll focus on that Raptors game, talking about what we need to do well, as well as what could go wrong in that game. And then in segment two, I'm going to talk about the Clippers taking on the Nets, uh, second night of a back-to-back, -back, likely Kevin Durant appearing in that one alongside James Harden. Whew. We're going to talk about if that's even a winnable game uh, and what we could do well to try and win that one as well as what could go wrong. And then in segment three, look, every single Friday, we like to talk the Pacific Division here on Locked on Clips. And this one is all about trades. Uh, so looking ahead to the trade deadline, which is February 10th, a little over a month from now, uh, I'm just wondering who in the Pacific Division would be the most likely to make a trade, so I'll be breaking down that. Uh, so stay tuned for all that and more coming up right about now. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so before I get into this preview of the Clippers taking on the Raptors, I gotta let you know that this episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need. And you can even negotiate better deals on the subscriptions that you want to keep. Pretty cool. All right, so looking at this Clippers versus Raptors game from a personnel perspective, it is likely, it is expected that Fred Van Vliet OG Ananobi and Scotty Barnes will all be back for the Raptors, uh, which makes this game a lot more difficult than it initially looked kind of on the schedule. Uh, but hey, that's sort of like the, the flux situation currently with health and safety protocols and every team kind of going through their own thing sort of personally. So Reggie uh, is still questionable to play for the Clippers in this one. Uh, he's still in the reconditioning protocol. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like. Um, it, you know, it was, it, he did go on the road to the Boston game. Uh, so I do take that as a good sign. I'm not really sure, though, like what the right move is long term for Reggie in this situation. Like, do you maybe try to have him play the Raptors game if you do see it as the more, you know, quote unquote winnable of the two games and then have him sit out against the Nets? Uh, do you have him get a little bit closer to 100% in terms of the reconditioning protocol or, or, or whatever uh, and have him play in the game against the Nets? I, I'm thinking coming back so soon, they probably don't have him play uh, in the back-to-back. He was already looking, you know, we talked about it on the show before, but he was already looking a little bit battered as the season was kind of going on. Uh, so I don't know if after missing time, he'll be ready to hop back in uh, and, and play a back-to-back -back right out the gate. I, I, don't, I don't see that as a possibility. And then another surprise curveball in terms of personnel for the Clippers, Avica Zubats will be out due to health and safety protocols. Um, 
And this already has me wondering if anything further is gonna develop with Eric Bledsoe. If you missed it in the post game, he talked about in that win versus the Celtics how he wasn't really feeling that well. Uh, my understanding was that he was not 100%. Uh, and with Zoo now entering these health and safety protocols, you gotta wonder if Bledsoe is gonna be sort of like the next domino to fall. Uh, but with all that out of the way, uh, let's try to uh, let's try to preview what could happen in this game. So what we need to do well in this one, uh, I'm just going to lead things in with my, the James Ennis bet. Uh, in case you're unfamiliar, I threw down the gauntlet yesterday uh, on the show about James Ennis. I was excited about the signing. I'm I'm not sure if he's going to be better than Justice Winslow, but I think there is a possibility. Uh, so the James Ennis bet that's currently running right now, and feel free to hold me to this, if James Ennis gets a double-double in any two categories, uh, including turnovers in this game versus the Raptors, I will get a James Ennis III Clippers City Edition jersey custom, uh, and that's a promise. It, looking at the possibility of this, he has had 10 or more boards in at least one game in five of his seven seasons, so it's not impossible there. And he has broke double-digit points in at least one game uh, in every single season uh, that he's played, except for that two-game sample size with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but James Ennis isn't going to be everything, obviously, in this one. Uh, what we need to do well, I, I'm really curious about what we're going to do at the forward position. Uh, the biggest issue this team has had, in my eyes, in the last couple of games is the paint defense uh, has not looked very good. And now with with Zoo out of the lineup, uh, that leaves a big hole defensively there for that front court. So I'm guessing we're going to see Serge get the start in this one with no Batum. We don't really have the option to go small with two forwards in the front court. So I'm guessing that Serge uh, does get the start in this one. It would be, I believe, his fourth start on the season, um, which... You know, would be something. It's. It, I had to look up that stat because it's actually more than I thought he had started uh, so far on the season. But we'll see what he's able to do. You know, he's had his sort of ups and downs since he's returned, um, especially just like physically and the way that he's been moving. But I'm hoping that we'll get some version of surge uh, that's able to at least slow down things for the Raptors. Um, Another thing we need to do well is just continue this upwards uh, trend of three-point shooting. Uh, we've been shooting really good. We shot we shot the ball 38% as a team from three against the Nets, and I believe it was 39% in that win against the Celtics. Um, you know, ball movement and getting those easy shots is sort of the key to the offense in my eyes, uh, when you're down this many people, you just, you have to find a way to get easy buckets. Um, and there's a couple of things that the Clippers can do offensively to get those sort of easy buckets. And, you know, obviously ball movement to get the threes is a big one. Trying to push the ball in transition, which they have not been that good at historically, um, but they have, it, you know, there have been some upswings um, but, uh, you know, traditionally it's not something that they've been great at, but if they can improve there, that'd be awesome. Uh, and then another thing that's kind of like the X factor or, or sort of the back pocket thing is depending on the mismatches that they can get for Marcus Morris, which is going to be really important in this game, uh, they can sort of dump the ball to him in the paint and let him work. I 
Don't know, you know, like how long we can sort of ride Morris out at that sort of level, like requiring so much of him from a scoring perspective. Uh, but it is an option. And I think, you know, it, it might be something that down one more person, uh, they might kind of have to lean into to get some points. Offense has been an issue for this team all year, and with all these absences, it is certainly not getting any easier. So let's get into what could go wrong in this one. Talking about the offense, like if we don't get four guys in double digits, this gets to be really tricky as to how we're going to put up uh, enough points to, to be able to take out the Raptors. Uh, both of these teams are averaging around the same number of points per game. Uh, but, you know, the Raptors will have close to a fully healthy uh, team at this point, much more full than the Clippers. So we know Morris will definitely get into double digits, but, you know, last game in that win, we got 17-point performances out of Luke, Bledsoe, and Mann. I don't know if that's repeatable, uh, but let's hope so. Another thing I'm wondering is, is, you know, we talk about with all these absences, top tier talent. And it, there's kind of the cliche saying in the playoffs that generally the, the best player in the series, that team is going to advance. Um, so looking at the top tier talent for the Raptors, they, you know, with Van Vliet um, and OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, is like, is that too much for this Clippers team to handle defensively? Uh, I'm not really sure. Both of these guys are pretty capable scorers. OG Ananobi has taken a jump scoring this year. He's definitely like becoming more of a three-level scorer, uh, which is, is, I mean, a scary development as the Clippers are playing them, but a great, but a great development for the Raptors. Looking at both these guys by the numbers, Van Vliet is at is averaging 25 and seven. Uh, that's 20 points, five boards, seven assists. On the season, OG is at 19, 5, and 3. So both near 20-point <laughs> scorers, both both five rebound per game guys. Like, And then, you know, Van Vliet obviously running a lot more offense as the primary facilitator. But that is going to be a difficult sort of number to overcome. Uh, and I'm not really sure... Not really sure how we do that, but I do think maybe trying trying to exploit some mismatches in that front court uh, is possible. Another thing that could go wrong is this Raptors team is very active in the passing lanes, creating steals. Uh, they're top three in the NBA in steals per game. Uh, they're at over nine steals per game, I believe. Something it's it's a lot. Yeah, nine point two per game, and they also do not turn the ball over a whole lot uh they have the they average the fourth fewest turnovers per game in the nba so look this on the schedule like looked like a hard game i thought with some of the absences and sort of the 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 fluctuation of play for the Raptors that maybe this one was uh gonna be a little bit more winnable than it's looking now i still think Overall, uh, if they can get stops and the paint defense can look better than it's looked the last couple games, this is still a winnable game. Uh, it's just going to be really, it's just going to be really pretty difficult. Uh, but talking to pretty difficult. Next up, I'm going to be talking about the Clippers taking on the Nets on the second night of a back-to-back -back with the return of Kevin Durant. Can we do it? F stay tuned to find out. But first, I got to let you know about Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? 
It's a business scam out to get you. So don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want, need, or, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. One more time, that's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, looking ahead to the Clippers, taking on the Nets. So I talked a little bit about the absences uh, in that Raptors game for the Clippers. All the usual suspects, you know, Kawhi, Batum still in there. Uh, obviously, Paul George, Jason Preston. Uh, but recently, uh, Reggie is kind of, he's in the doubtful category currently uh, as he is sort of ramping up through those, the post-COVID kind of uh, reconditioning protocol. Uh, so I don't know, I, I talked about it a little bit in the last one, but I, I don't know if we see Reggie in either one of these games. I'm not sure if there's an advantage in one over the other. I think if he can only play one of the two games, I suppose I would rather have him go in the Raptors one um, just to see if that is a more winnable game. I just think also defensively, he's not the best match in the backcourt for this Nets team that we're going to be taking on. Um, so if Zoo is gone, that's also going to be an issue. The Clippers really struggled to stop the the nets in the paint at all last time we played them uh you know that in that blowout loss they outscored us in the paint 74 to 38 and that was with zubats uh so I, i'm not sure what we do there you know in the boston game we saw sort of some interesting zone type defensive coverages that would then switch uh to man to man and i <laughs> I don't think that'll work against the Nets. Uh, I think, you know, James Harden is a good enough shooter off the dribble. Kevin Durant is, you know, one of the best scorers maybe ever. Uh, I, I don't know that this is a team that you can really run zone on, uh, especially like without a traditional big. I feel like that maybe makes it even a little bit more difficult. Um, so what we need to do well is, you know, definitely take care of the ball. Uh, the Clippers did have a couple rough turnovers versus Boston and a couple of these were with Surge uh, and that let Boston get back into the game. I hope that Surge can kind of get things righted, especially if he's going to end up being the starting center in both of these games, which I think is going to be the primary option. I'm not really sure where else we can go with no Isaiah Hartenstein and if Zoo is still in health and safety protocols, which I'm assuming he will be for both of these games. Uh, that's going to be really, really difficult. Which sort of begs the question, like, is this a winnable game? And I think if you're sort of going off the protocol of, you know, best with the health and safety protocols, if the best player sort of in the game or in the series uh, determines the win of the game, then no, it's not a winnable game for the Clippers. 
This one is gonna be really, really difficult against a team that is stacked and is still, you know, is a favorite to get out the East. They're the first, they've only lost 10 times all season. They're the top seed in the Eastern Conference. Like, no, this is not looking like a very easy or winnable game, but stick with me here. Now, while this is the second night of a back-to-back -back for the Clippers, that means on New Year's Eve, Everybody is likely getting on the plane, going straight to their hotel room, maybe getting a little bit of rest, uh, and you know, kind of being a little bit more locked in before this January 1st game. Whereas the Nets played a game at home today versus the Sixers, which they lost. So maybe, you know, you start getting a little pre-celebrating in then, then you're already at home. So you go out New Year's Eve. As you do, you got to see the ball drop in New York or whatever they're doing over there. And then you come into this game January 1st thinking you're top dog. Maybe you get bit. Maybe the Clippers could surprise them. Maybe the Clippers pop out of the ball New Year's Eve, say, ha, we haven't been partying at all. We got you. Um, so what we need to do well is, you know, hopefully uh, take advantage of a team that likely is overlooking this matchup uh, due to all the absences for the Clippers. And, you know, who knows? If we get another performance out of, you know, Terrence Mann and uh, Luke Kennard and certainly Eric Bledsoe where they're in that, like, 17 to 20 game sort of range, like, maybe it's Musketeers. Maybe it's, you know, like, all for one, you know, one for all situation. Uh, some of its parts being greater than whatever. You, you get what I'm saying. So what could go wrong in this one? I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious. Uh, James Harden absolutely tore us apart in that last matchup. Uh, he did finish with 39, 8, and 15. Uh, and look, the issue in that last game against the Nets is that it wasn't just Harden. Um, you know, a lot of their role players were having really good games, including Nick Claxton, Patty Mills, um, and Patty Mills sort of off the bench, I think could be really difficult for the Clippers. But the big sort of, you know, ominous thing hanging over this game is definitely going to be the return of Kevin Durant for the Nets, assuming that he does play in that one. Uh, defensively, I'm not really sure how we deal with that challenge. Uh, I think that we'll throw different bodies at him. I think that where Morris is at defensively right now, he he did mention that he's had some issues with his breathing since coming back from health and safety protocols. I don't know that that is going to be a favorable matchup for him. He does have some size and physicality that he could try to use on Durant. Uh, I think that that is going to be a tough cover, though. I think that we'll see some different looks, maybe some Winslow on him, um, you know, with uh, probably some surge on him. I think just like with things being as threadbare and limited as they are, it's gonna be really, really difficult. But who knows, you know, maybe Ennis will step up in this one too. Maybe I'll have to get two Ennis, James Ennis the third City Edition jerseys. Here's the hope and look, my prediction for this one, I think the Clippers dropped this game versus the Nets. I do think that the Raptors game is winnable. So I'm gonna go with my overall prediction. I'm going to say that the Clippers can go 500 over this New Year's back-to-back. -back. Let me know what you think over at Locked On Clips. Coming up next, I'm going to be talking about the Pacific Division and the teams most likely to make a trade. But first, 
I gotta tell you about BetOnline, BetOnline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Look, basketball season is in full hoop and you can track all the action at BetOnline. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Look, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep to just get the heck through this season. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus that's on top of your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On. All right, so look, it's still a little while out till the trade deadline. The trade deadline is February 10th, I believe, this year, so a little over a month away. But I wanted to take a look at the Pacific Division as we do every Friday on this show and sort of look at who I think is the most likely to make a deal. Uh, so I'm curious who's picking up the phone right now. I'm just gonna go in order of who I think is the most likely to make a trade in, into the least likely to make a trade. Uh, so most likely to make a trade, I, I'm looking at the Lakers in the Pacific Division. So this is a little bit cheating because it does already seem like there's a trade in the works to move Rondo to the Cavs. I'm not super clear on what the return would be for the Lakers. Uh, Ed Davis, maybe, or, or Denzel Valentine. I don't know if those players are of that much interest, but the Cavs are highly motivated to make a deal to get Rondo uh, with Ricky Rubio going down and Colin Sexton with the, uh, with the meniscus tear. They are down a lot of guards, and they could use somebody. Um, that's a trade, though, that's more about the Cavs than the Lakers for sure. I'm wondering if there's a move out there for the Lakers to improve. And now look, I think with Anthony Davis out, depending on the amount of time that he ends up missing, uh, it's reasonable to assume that, you know, maybe the Lakers won't be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. I think that they're, I mean, I think that there's definitely some validity to that because it's a little bit hard to assess exactly what you've got. But at the same time, look, you know, LeBron is 56 years old. Uh, he's a great player, you know, obviously still great. But your championship window is only so long. And for a team that has as high of aspirations as they do, um, with a losing record currently, I'd just be very surprised if they didn't try to do something. Now, they are a little bit stuck as to what they could actually do. Uh, you know, they because they, they have some guys who are sort of coming on there on the, like on minimum deals or low deals. Uh, so I don't know, like, and obviously with COVID and everything, this isn't gonna be a year, I don't think in general, where we're seeing teams be like, oh yeah, we'll send three guys out to get one guy back. I think that availability um, has sort of like reared its ugly head in a way this season that we maybe haven't seen in a while. And I think that, I should have prefaced this whole segment with that, like I think that there's gonna be, it's gonna be a buyer's market um, in, in as far as this trade deadline is concerned. Normally it's a seller's market. If you have assets that a contender wants, um, you know, you are gonna get the maximum value. However, currently, like with the top teams sort of 
being somewhat set in terms of their rosters in both the Eastern and Western Conference, I think that there's going to be a little less clamoring from the buyers to try to get a move done, especially if you're a team that's been super affected, you know, like the Clippers have, by injuries, by health and safety protocols. I don't know if there's going to be as big of a move to try to make a trade. That being said, uh, I think that the Lakers are going to try to get something done. I just don't know if they're going to be able to make any sort of big swing. I, I don't know that you can get somebody to take on that Russell Westbrook contract for the amount of money that's left on it um, and what your return would possibly be. Uh, I think that that's a really, really difficult proposition. And then, I mean, unless you're willing to give up a young asset uh, like Taylor Horton Tucker, which at this point, I don't think there's any way the Lakers can afford to give up. Uh, they passed on Alex Caruso, who is balling out on the you know Chicago Bulls, who are second in the East, um, to, to keep Taylor Horton Tucker. So I don't think there's any way they move him so I just don't see the assets to really get a deal done. Um, I still think that they're like the most likely to try to get something done. I just don't know what the move is, if I'm being perfectly honest. The next most likely team, I think, is the Kings. And look, the Kings, there's two ways to look at it. Like maybe they try to make, they're, they're currently outside of the play-in uh, just by a single spot. They're in 11th. They're about a half a game behind the Spurs to make the play-in. Um, so I don't know if I don't know if you try to make a push in that situation, um, or if they try to sell sort of high on some of the assets that they have. Now, there's rumors about the Kings moving De'Aaron Fox essentially every single year. Uh, they're a very guard-heavy team. There is some indication that they might want to continue to build uh, around Davion Mitchell and Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I did see an interesting trade sort of proposed uh, just online. This is nothing official. Uh, but if the Celtics were to get maybe in, try to get into the Jalen Brown sweepstakes, uh, I don't know that the Celtics will for sure move him, but uh, you know, it, it, there's rumors. Uh, so there was a proposed trade that had Jalen Brown as a target to the Kings. In return, the Celtics would get Harrison Barnes and De'Aaron Fox. I think that it's it's interesting. Um, I don't really... <sighs> Look, I mean, the Celtics could use a guard. Uh, can De'Aaron Fox be that guy? I think it, you know, it just depends on... It just depends on the system. Uh, but I do think that he could be the facilitator and he is, you know, like a, a, a north-south scorer, which is interesting. Um, you know, he's a better ball handler than Jalen Brown, um, who they, you know, they do kind of use in the, they do use in the point forward kind of, uh, you know, situation where he is bringing the ball up a lot himself. So having a traditional point guard could be of some interest. Another name that's been floated around is Buddy Heald for the Kings. Uh, now, I talked about it a little bit yesterday briefly, but uh, the our friends over at the Clipset podcast, they had proposed a trade for uh, Bledsoe plus Brandon Boston Jr. for Buddy Heald. Uh, the Kings could maybe be enticed by this to 
shed a little bit of salary. Uh, Bledsoe only has one year left on his deal, I believe, and gain a young asset. I, I don't know if it's really quite enough to move the needle. And we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but I don't really know that it's that beneficial for the Clippers. I don't know that they're picking up the phone. But speaking of the Clippers, I think uh, I think the Clippers are like probably third in the most likely to make a trade edition. Uh, I think that, look, I, I think that there's a possibility because, you know, that's what this front office does. They have a reputation for, for being very shrewd and, and trying to look at the future and address sort of current issues. I just think in a season, look, in a season where you're down your best player, it's going to be really difficult to assess the core. Um, and then now with Paul George out, and certainly, you know, we've had so little time of Marcus Morris and Nick Batum playing together, who are such big pieces of the rotation. To me, it's really hard to get a true bearing on the surrounding core. And it's been interesting because I think even through this sort of time where we're, we're toying around 500, you know, and it's, it's really difficult games and every win is, you know, really, really hard to get. I think that the encouraging thing has been has been seeing some of these players able to step up. And now we've kind of seen it all separately, right? Like with the exception of that Boston game where we saw, you know, a, a, a weird display where Terrence Bledsoe and Kennard all had the same amount of points and Morris, you know, just, just was able to do his thing as well. We've seen kind of different guys step up at different times. And I think that that's been something that we've been able to see over the past two years, really reliably with this team. Um, but I, so I think that that's encouraging. Uh, and I think that before you give up an asset or before yeah, but before you try to take a swing, uh, you know, you can't really make a big swing in a year like this because you haven't had a chance to put all these good performances sort of together with the core identity of this team. And I don't even know if it's worth making some sort of move on the margins because, you know, depending on how much time Paul George misses after being reevaluated after four weeks, like, I'm just not sure what the value would be. So I would put the Clippers sort of like in the, I just don't really see them making a trade tier. Uh, and below them in the Pacific Division, two teams who are just, I don't think, I, I feel very strongly that they are not going to make any trades. And that would be the Suns and the Warriors. The Suns have a lot of guys in health and safety protocols at the time of recording this. They signed another um, 10-day hardship contract today. So that situation will be something to manage. But like I said at the beginning of this segment, I don't know how that's going to affect teams uh, and their likelihood to do trades, especially if you know they're losing multiple assets to return a single player. Uh, I think in a season like this, it's definitely going to change the minds of front offices and how they are willing to do those types of deals. And I'm not really seeing a move that makes them a lot better, if I'm being honest. You know, they have a solid bench. Uh, their starting five is pretty rock solid. Like, you know, if I had my questions about, you know, their success last year and, and how repeatable that would be, but they're tied for first in the West. Uh, and I just, you know, I don't really see any reason. Another team I don't see 
any reason for them. They're, in my mind, the least likely to make a trade would have to be the Golden State Warriors. I just don't see for either one of these two teams, like what the point is. You're already leading the West. Uh, you know, the Warriors are still awaiting the uh, the emergence of, you know, Clay Thompson uh, back into that lineup whenever he is ready to go. So I just, the Warriors to me are probably the least likely to make a trade. And looking at the assets, you know, I'm wondering like what they would do. I do see the Warriors as maybe having some more pieces to be able to kind of play with if they wanted to. Like I think maybe Wiseman plus Wiggins plus a pick is kind of interesting. I, I, I don't know what you could get exactly for that. I mean, I think that's too high to get Christian Wood. I think you could give up less than that. Uh, but something like that, maybe some sort of like, interesting dynamic upgrade over Kavon Looney is is maybe an option but I just don't know that they're gonna do something or if they'll stand pat but I'm leaning towards they're gonna stand pat um so anyways I I don't think that the Clippers Suns or Warriors are probably doing anything at the trade deadline as I said with all the like just flux and uncertainty around this season we'll see what the Lakers and Kings end up doing uh, but that is going to do it for today's episode. Uh, on Monday's episode, we will have a recap for you of the Nets game, plus a preview of the game taking on the Timberwolves. Feels like we play the Timberwolves once a week now. I do not know what's going on with that. But also, every single Monday, we bring you the Luke Kennard progress report, as well as Terrence Mann's VORP watch. And we'll also have whatever else happens between now and then in Clipperland. Look, I don't know if I mentioned up top, but we do come at you Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Pacific. We'd love to have your listen. You can check us out on the on podcasts on Apple or the podcast app. We're also on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Deezer. We're on Amazon Music. You can always tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Clippers. If you haven't already, please leave a rating or review over on Spotify. Now they have a new review feature. Really help us out if you give us you know five stars over there, positive review. Uh, or you can also review us on the podcast app. Uh, so thank you so much for rocking with me. Coming at you again solo. Hopefully, won't be solo again for a while. Uh, but that's going to do it for today. As always, I'm William the Opinion Updike. And hey, we here at Locked on Clippers. Appreciate you.